If someone offers you advice and they call themselves a health coach or a wellness coach, they don't know what coaching is because coaching is about not giving advice. It's about asking questions and letting clients come up with their own choices and their own answers. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% saving for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for face-to-face learning, network members also save on standard rates for Filex, the fitness industry convention. In this episode, health and wellness coach Fiona Cosgrove discusses PT's aptitude for wellness coaching, how overwhelm in our personal lives prevents us from making bigger lifestyle changes, and why giving advice is not coaching, with the Fitness Industry Podcast's Oliver Kitchingman. Fiona, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Good morning. Ollie. So Fiona, health and wellness coaching, what exactly is it? Oh, now that's a big question and a very big answer, but I'll try and keep it brief. So health and wellness coaching is now what we call, what we used to call wellness coaching, but the term health and wellness coaching is what's been Googled the most often because people are becoming aware of the fact that there is another, if not profession, another way of working. So we tend to lump it together. Health and wellness coaching is a way of working with clients to help them achieve their goals as in sustainable lifestyle change, not just tick a box. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a way of communicating with clients. So a lot of my work is actually teaching people to to have a different conversation so that coaching brings, coaching comes to life and the clients have a different experience of working with someone who uses this style. Okay, so how would you differentiate between the health and the wellness aspects of that? Is that, a, is that a physical versus kind of mental well-being thing? It's actually, I think, just a marketing term, to be quite honest. I think that some people relate well to health coaching, particularly if they happen to come from a medical background or they're looking for something that's a little bit more kind of medically based. And wellness, of course, for some people can be seen to be a little bit airy-fairy, but certainly very inclusive. To me, the two terms together really describe what it is. Okay, so would you mind giving us a little history of your, your time as um, in, in the health and wellness industry? Or you've, you've worked in the fitness industry. I, I believe you've, you've run a club in the past. You've moved into the health and wellness area. Yeah, if you could just give us a little sure. rundown. <laughs> don't know how long the podcast is. <laughs> About 30 years ago, I, I owned clubs and managed clubs, and they were successful. And I look back now and think, I wonder why that happened. I actually understand now better why they were successful. And a lot of it, I think, was using instinctively the principles of what we talk about today, which is about bringing people together, community, getting people supporting each other. I was, I was always very interested in the people who didn't achieve their goals, because there were a lot of them. We had a lot of members who stayed a long time, but also a lot of people who dropped by the wayside. And my instincts, again, were that it was what was going on in their heads, not so much as to what was not going on in their bodies. So my journey took me into a Masters of Counselling and then discovered the word of coaching. And 10 years ago, when health and wellness coaching was very new, I was lucky enough to get training in that and start my journey of not telling the fitness industry we had it all wrong, but hopefully adding to the knowledge of the fitness industry to get people to shift their approach to create a different result. So Wellness Coaching Australia was born 
10 years ago. And we have trained probably over 3,000 people now, some in, a, in the longer training, some in, in just a one or two day workshop. But the result seems to be that they're taking away tools they can use straight away. Okay, so of, of those 3,000 people that have been trained, a lot of those guys fitness professionals or are they from various industries? Yeah, it's changed over the years, actually. At first, probably because we were marketing more to the fitness industry and that's where I was known and that was my background, that most of the workshops were full of personal trainers or gym owners. Over the years, particularly the last five years, it's changed. So we're getting a lot more health, just allied health professionals. It's great to see exercise physiologists coming along who are the, probably the people who struggle the most to go from being the expert to being the coach because they're trained to tell people what to do. Often we find personal trainers without that high sort of academic knowledge slip into the role more easily. We're getting people now who are coming from IT, CEOs, doctors. It's really, really diverse. We had a trapeze artist the other day. And I think that the commonality is that they have discovered the notion of wellness, about what makes a good life or what makes people enjoy living with vitality. And they're realising that there is a conversation to be had, probably not only with their clients, but with themselves. So yes, it has really gone from fitness to the health world to now embracing people who need to also learn quite a lot of principles of health and fitness, as well as a coaching approach. Okay, so it sounds like skills that we could all do with. I think so. I'd love to say, and I have to admit to say, that we never stop learning either. I certainly am far from the expert in getting everything right. That The wonderful about this field is that we continue to grow, we continue to learn about ourselves, and we continue to learn about people. So with specific focus on the fitness industry, how, how can personal trainers and fitness instructors utilize elements of, of health and wellness coaching? Sure, yeah. Um, again, it was at the beginning, it was almost like talking to people who actually, generally the people who came along to the training realized that something wasn't working, but they didn't know what to substitute. They didn't know what to actually bring to make the result different. Now what's happening is even looking at the the education that's out there generally at the conferences, you're getting a much more holistic approach. So people are starting delving into a little bit of neuroscience, dare we say a little bit of psychology, realising again that what makes people tick is as much as what goes on in their heads as it does in their bodies. We're finding a lot of personal trainers will be using the skills straight away in their work with clients when they're training, in their conversational approach, maybe the way they have the onboarding process, shall we say. But then there's an awful lot who are also offering health and wellness coach services as an additional service. For me, I think that's probably the most exciting thing for the fitness industry because there's a lot of people who don't necessarily want to be a personal trainer at 55 or even at 35. And the diversity of the conversation you have with people, I think, will keep people in the industry a lot longer. There will be others who will simply say, that's what I want to do. I want to be a health and wellness coach. I don't see myself or my company being apart from the fitness industry. I think we run parallel alongside it. That's really exciting because a lot of fitness professionals, as you alluded to there, may after a few years, they get to a point where they're not sure or in the next step in their career, but you know they want to stay working in the industry, but they feel like they need something more and they're finding difficulty seeing a career path. It sounds like it's, it's a natural progression. Yeah, I think so too. And I also think that people who are drawn to fitness are often people who will make very good coaches. I said earlier that sometimes the level of knowledge we have or expertise we have can be the block towards us coaching effectively. Whereas we know so many people come into fitness because they love people. 
They love talking to people. They love motivating people. They love connecting with people. And those are the skills of a really good coach. So I think that down the track, particularly with the way health and wellness coaching is starting to be recognised, certainly outside of Australia, and I could explain more on that if you want me to, but within Australia, and there will be a career path that makes more sense. Because one of the biggest things that people ask is, is it credentialed? Is it accredited? So is it credentialed? <laughs> I thought you might ask me that question. A little bit complex. Things are changing. The landscape's changing quickly, which is wonderful. The first answer to this question, we used to say, no, it isn't. It's a new industry without any credential at all. However, you can get insurance after you've done training with obviously with wellness coaching australia and for a lot of people that's the most important thing it you'd be covered under your insurance as a personal trainer anyway because there's nothing in your insurance that says you can't talk to people and listen to people however in terms of getting recognition for the industry there's been a move for seven years in the states to create international credentialing at the moment it's still national credentialing as in American courses are approved to sit an external exam, which is board certified, just like a lot of new therapies and new areas of work that come out of the US. They've changed their name now to international, and I'm simply waiting for the tick to go right, put your course in for approval. So we're sitting the board certification exam, some of my team members, and within six months, I'd say we will have that. It's up to people then whether they decide that sitting that board certification exam through the US is where they want to go. But there's a lot of people who like to be at the top of the field. The other thing that's happening as far as the Australian landscape is concerned is that we do have a diploma that's in its final stages of being written, which puts it on the framework and I think gives some people a lot of credibility around, well, I need this diploma. There are other people who've got degrees, diplomas in fitness, in human movement, who may not need that. So there's quite a big variety. But yeah, the things are changing rapidly, which is just fantastic. So it must feel a little bit like back to the future for you for back to the, the early days of the fitness industry, I imagine. Exactly. <laughs> I remember very, very clearly when we were trying to get some kind of guidelines around what a health club should do and what a personal trainer was. And it's like starting the process all over again. And I know that it takes time, but we're getting there. Exciting times. I mean, you, you say it's, been, it's taken seven years, it's a process, and these things do take time, especially in the early days of any industry, I guess. But it does feel, and you mentioned it before, there's, a, there's been an increase in the kind of psychological aspects of, of PTs. If you go to Phylex Convention, for example, many online courses, there's definitely been an increased focus on the, the kind of the psychological side of coaching and, and training clients. Why now? Very good question too. I think it's always been simmering in the background that we were ignoring some really important facets of human behaviour. I think that, dare I say, the world has got a lot more complex than it used to be. What's interesting is when we talk to our coaches, that what they're reporting their clients to be struggling with the most, and I've experienced this with clients, is not whether or not they can run two kilometres or do whatever it is or choose the right food. It's whether or not they can clear their dining room table to actually be able to put food on the table in some cases. So people have gotten, that's a little extreme, I know, but the amount of overwhelm and stress because of the complexity of living and the multiple roles that we're playing and technology and everything's changing so quickly, some people are really struggling to keep up. If you can't think clearly about your personal life and your routine, it's very, very difficult to put in lifestyle habits that are going to give you energy and vitality. So I think it is part, it's, it's a feature of today's world. So is it, it sounds as, as though a lot of that is, is almost like our perception of our world and the, the way that technology 
has you know basically permeated every aspect of our lives and so people are permanent permanently in a state of being on you can be contacted at any time any place anywhere you know you, you might be checking your work emails at midnight when you wake up in the night you might be getting you checking them before breakfast you're never truly off is is that a kind of does that feel like that's a big influence i think that's exactly you've put exactly the way i describe it now whether it's that perception or whether it's reality i don't know there's a lot of expectations i think in the world for us to be continually switched on yes we have a choice so a lot of coaches are working with people around the most basic changes one of the things that comes up the most often is this thing called multitasking and I mean who would have thought the personal trainers would be talking to their clients about hey maybe it's better not to do three things at once because you're not actually achieving anything so we really are crossing over into this field of personal organization stress management and I think that we need a whole array of tools in our toolkit now that we didn't have before so is that a bit of a mindfulness aspect, the the focus on the one thing that you're doing at the, at the time, kind of, rather than, as you say, trying to do too many things at once, doing three things bad, badly rather than one thing well? Yeah, mindfulness is a very big part of health and wellness coaching, but we need to understand what mindfulness actually means in terms of clear focus. We also need to know a little bit about positive, well, actually not a little bit, a lot about positive psychology, so the way people are looking forward, purpose and meaning, which, you, you know, you're starting into philosophy here, but that, to me, is my real area of interest right now, is that people actually have lost the plot. So the instance of depression is being seen all the time, and I have no doubt that personal trainers are coming up against this. Now, where that comes from, I don't know, but I think our tendency is to think exercise is the answer. Exercise is a great thing to actually combat it, or more as a preventive measure for depression. But I think we need to actually understand where is it coming from in the first place. If we're interested in people, we need to be interested in more than just their physical health. But what are the trends that are going on now that are causing these problems? Interesting. Do you think that partly, I mean, we, we've, we've talked about the, the, the effects of, of technology and the way that that can affect our sense of stress. And there, is there also a, a greater likelihood that people will be diagnosed with depression and stress these days? Whereas in the past, there, there was probably more of a stigma. It's, it seems more acceptable now for people to openly discuss mental health and to maybe to go to their, their doctor or GP or, and, more likely for them to be diagnosed. I think that there's some truth in that. I don't, unfortunately, we'll never know, will we, because we can't actually go back and measure that. I, my belief is more that the factors of today's world are putting more pressure on, particularly if we think of young people, and I think this sense of a lack of meaning and a lack of purpose is one of the biggest causes. And whether that comes from the fact that there is so much choice out there and in the olden days, shall we say, you did what you did, you chose your career, you just got on with it. Whereas now we're sort of sitting in this abyss of, oh my God, I could be doing this, that, the other, change careers every two weeks, I don't know what to eat. Uh, there's a whole mass of information. I actually do think technology, as in terms of the internet, the amount of information that's available to us can be a problem as well as it can be a really big advantage. Absolutely. Information overload and then yeah, trying to discern what's the, the credible information and whole vast swathes of incredible information. Yeah, and I think, you know, with health and wellness coaching, again, another aspect that we work on often is this idea of simplification. You know, you'd think that that wouldn't be what you would pay a professional to help you do, and yet people need to simplify their lives because they are overwhelmed. And if simplification involves choosing certain things to eat, setting aside time for regular exercise, working out whether they're sedentary or the stress that's going on or whether they've learned to say no to people or they're taking on too many responsibilities. Well, that's what we need to do, and I don't think we can ignore that conversation. 
Absolutely. I mean, Fiona, today everyone seems to have some sort of self-improvement goal, whether it's when it comes to fitness and well-being, as, as well as, you know, in their, in their professional lives and their personal lives. You say that whatever that goal may be, whether they're trying to lose weight, get fit, sleep better, de-stress or, or meditate, something gets in the way for most of us. So what is that something and what can we do to get over it? it's actually one of the areas that I'm sort of doing some presentations on right now and there isn't just one thing. So we actually developed a program called Busting Barriers because I sat and thought, well, if everybody wants different goals, wellness goals, what is the commonality that perhaps we can work with people in a group? So personal training came about one-on-one. Then it turned into group personal training. People like being with other people. I'm hoping I'm answering your question here, but Busting Barriers, we said, well, it doesn't matter if somebody wants to lose weight, get fitter, give up smoking. What's the commonality? And the commonality are the types of barriers they experience. So the group program, every session looks at another area. So we know what the common things are. We know that stress is one. We know that personal organization is one. Self, lack of self-belief is another. So there's certain things that actually group themselves together and you can work with people irregardless of their goals. So we're not so worried about what they want to achieve as to what's stopping them getting there. Okay. So what's the future for the health and wellness coaching industry? Well, I wish I could see into a crystal ball. It's definitely here to stay. I think that it will shake itself down in time. As soon as we start getting private health insurers covering it, Medicare, there will be more regulations around it. To me, I love the fitness industry so much. There's just no way we can continue to grow in the fitness industry without being influenced by this. What I love about it is that it brings together a lot of the things that are very out there at the moment. As you said, mindfulness, this, the psychology and everything. Health and wellness coaching brings those things together. And it's really clear that we work with someone to address the barriers to change, to create a better physical and mental life. I think that there will be more and more personal trainers calling themselves coaches. I know that happens now, but I would love to see that the name was backed up by the full understanding and training and the understanding of the principles of coaching so that when we talk about health and wellness coaching, we're talking about what people are doing and it's the same thing, but it's not going away quickly. No, I guess that goes back to the credentials, as you said, which is in the pipeline. Yeah, and knowing for sure that if someone says they're a health and wellness coach, then they are a health and wellness coach. They're not just kind of, you know, giving some life advice that they think is going to be useful. And I think there's the key. If someone offers you advice and they call themselves a health coach or a wellness coach, they don't know what coaching is. Because coaching is about not giving advice. It's about asking questions and letting clients come up with their own choices and their own answers. Advice is a word that I say in our training. I'd be quite happy if we could actually strike it out of the English language. feels like everyone wants advice but as you say yeah it's about being empowered with the the ability to make your own decisions and to recognize the things that are stopping you getting those you know those barriers to to change as you say yeah because the reality is when somebody gives you advice what are they doing they're saying i know more than you do and it's disempowering so although information we say use the word information gives you a choice gives you freedom to choose advice is like saying i would much rather you tell me what to do because if it doesn't work it'll be your fault so again part of that is actually a wish to sort of divest yourself of responsibility whereas as a coach we say no actually this is your journey your responsibility i'm here to support you what do you want to do 
Okay, so what advice would you give to personal trainers and fitness professionals that are maybe experiencing frustration with clients that seem to be making no progress or they're just plateauing when it comes to either fat loss or other training goals if they can't just be giving advice, which is probably something that they've been doing to this point because it, it comes naturally, you know, yeah. they're, they're the expert, they've, you know, they've, they've got their qualifications for training and so they think, well, this is your goal, this is what we need to reach your goal, I'm going to tell you what to do this. And the client was probably quite welcoming of that because they want they feel like they want to be told and given direction but it often doesn't work and it certainly doesn't work in the long term it might work for a short time but then you know it ceases after that so what can pts do <laughs> i had to laugh because you said what advice would i give them i wouldn't yeah. give them advice <laughs> i'd give them information yeah look that's that's a great question and i must say too look when we give advice when we are passing on this wonderful knowledge that we've all you know spent years learning it feels good because we're helping people it comes from the right place it comes from the heart it comes from a, a desire to help however if people do understand benefit or the huge impact that having a different conversation can have you soon learn quickly that to say to someone, okay, what is it you want to achieve instead of saying this is what I think you should achieve and asking them why would you want to achieve that instead of telling them why they should achieve that, asking them the question what are some of your options instead of telling them what their options are, you'll find that clients all of a sudden become much more engaged and much more interested in the process instead of going, you just tell me what to do. Often people in training say, what do you do if a client comes back to you and lies about their goals? And I say, if you've coached them properly, they won't because they've chosen their goals. So you don't have this idea of accountability all the time just to the person who told you what to do. So I would say get some training, get some training and coaching principles and let it work into your conversation with clients, your conversations with your partner, your conversations with your management team, because People are the same, no matter what, what label they're wearing, what role they're in, they like to be in charge of their own life and destiny. So it's asking the right questions and it's listening hard. Absolutely. Ask the questions, but don't forget to listen for the answer instead of asking your next question. Fiona, it's been a pleasure asking you some questions and listening <laughs> not to any advice, but to some information. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ali. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. If anyone wants to find out any more information about health and wellness coaching, where should they go? wellnesscoachingaustralia.com.au email info at wellnesscoachingaustralia.com.au love to hear from you Fiona thank you for speaking with the fitness industry podcast thank you Ollie to learn effective coaching and behaviour change techniques check out Network's online course Coaching Skills for Maximal Client Results, accredited for CECs and other professional development points. Go to the network website, select the Courses tab, and click on Coaching and Behaviour Change. Members of Australian Fitness Network save 25% on this course, so head to fitnessnetwork.com.au to grow your skill set and fitness career today. And for face-to-face -face learning, remember that network members also save on standard rates for Filex, the fitness industry convention.